it was very new in the sense when it comes to Cuba because nobody had gone before since before 1959. And so we had no idea that we would be the first ones doing it. And everybody was like, it can't be done. It can't be done. And, and it can't be done. But we were like, but I know what the Lord said. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Seeing God. Today we have an interview with Mark Anthony and Erica Lisea. Before we start, I just wanted to make a quick note that you can keep an eye out for an update on my mom that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. I know that some of you have been curious about what's been going on with her, and rightfully so. There's been a lot going on with regards to her health, so I will be giving an update on that, and we'll put it out in the next couple of weeks or so. Now, back to today's interview. Mark Anthony and Erica are a couple who God called into missions a few years ago. Mark Anthony previously worked for a fashion footwear company, and Erica is a music artist who you can find under the name Erica Alcover. She writes and performs worship music in English and Spanish, and I have actually had her song You Are Worthy on my worship playlist for years. Um, we'll put links to her work on the website so that you guys can check her out. They talked to us about how God took them to Cuba for a year, then the season of transition that they had, kind of a weird period of in-between when they returned from Cuba, and then what God is taking them into as they arrive in Spain as missionaries with Convoy of Hope. Just a quick note, in this episode, Mark Anthony and Erica describe how they are waiting for the green light to go to Spain. They actually got that shortly after we did the interview, and they have since arrived in Spain a couple weeks ago and are starting their work. So... Without further ado, let's get started. Mark Anthony and Erica, so excited. Likewise, <laughs> yes. definitely. I would love to hear a little bit of background about you guys. So you're in New York City right now, but how did you end up in New York City? Uh, well, I actually grew up here in the city, uh, and I grew up in East Harlem. Uh, I left New York uh, when I was kind of my teenage years. My father, uh, for work, got moved down to D.C., and I always just had an affinity for New York. Uh, always just, you know, New York was always home for me. So uh, when I got the first chance, I moved back. So after college, uh, went to college just outside of Philadelphia, uh, Valley Forge University, and, and so um, not the military school, but anyway, <laughs> um, and anyway, moved back to New York and, and it just, to me, New York city, uh, has always been home and it's always been where I wanted to be. So that's kind of how I ended up out here. Yep. Um, I was, I always say I'm from the Northeast. I was born in Newark, New Jersey, um, was raised, uh, for a good portion of my life in Allentown. My mom always tells me that I always wanted to move to New York. I don't remember that, but you know, her memory is better than mine some days. 
Um, and so I moved here right after college, got a job, um, and been here ever since. And I always remember never really like caring where I lived, but my husband always wanted to live in New York. And so we're like, all right, well, I guess this is where we're going to be. Yeah. How did you end up in Cuba? My father is Cuban. My mother's Puerto Rican. And I've been going to Cuba since I was a young boy, actually. Um, and just kind of, it was where I spent my summers. And so I would travel there. And as I just kind of grew up, I grew up in a Christian household and just uh, at a, as a teenager, had the chance to go on my first mission trip. So I always kind of had a passion for missions. And as Erica and I um, approached our one year anniversary, uh, as a matter of fact, next week, um, September 10th, we will be hitting uh, our nine year anniversary. So we've been married. Congratulations. Thank and you. we have not killed each other. We still like each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's success. We're doing well. We're doing well. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing you see God doing, right? Yeah. Yes, that is Absolutely. definitely. Uh, well, you know, and, and I say it in jest, but also when I look at our family, uh, we both come from broken households. We come from divorced homes. And so we joke about it, but it is absolutely something that we see God doing, just um, doing something new in our generation, doing something new in our marriage, that we're having a marriage where Christ is at the center and he's sustaining us in in the commitment that we made to one another. So we definitely, um, we joke about it, but we're definitely extremely grateful for what God has done in our marriage. So Erica, you know, she also had a passion for missions. That was one of the things that kind of we had in common as we dated. But as we approached that one year anniversary, we wanted to kind of just seal that first year on going on a missions trip. And so Erica's mother, uh, who is Puerto Rican, but you wouldn't know because she drives around with a Cuban flag in her car. Erica's mother, uh, Miriam, is is just a fireball for Jesus. She just loves the Lord. And she's been going on missions to Cuba for years. And so Erica kind of was in a predicament. She was like, well, if I go to Cuba with my mom, my husband might be bothered. If I go to Cuba with my husband, my mother might be bothered. So I'm going to go with both of them. And we went to Cuba. And it was um, a great experience. And at the same time, it was awful because Hurricane, I think, Isaac, maybe? I think Isaac, yeah. Yeah, had just ripped through. And so literally we get there. We're in August in Cuba and there's no electricity and no water. So there's no fan. There's no nothing. Like you're just like dripping and melting and just hot. But it it wasn't enough to deter us because we kept going back and uh, and and the more and more we went, the more we just really felt God just asking us to make a greater commitment. Um, you know, we we had gone on mission to other places together, uh, even with our home church, the Dream Center. We went to Haiti, and you know, just again, missions was kind of something that we always felt passionate about. We really wanted to go do missions in a lot of different places. Like we just we had no place in particular. And I think that's one of the things that that we learned even here at our church, like the beauty in committing to a place and, and being able to go back to the same place and almost adopting that place. And so our desire was to do missions um, just everywhere. And while we were doing it, like on the way back from that trip, we just kind of felt like God was asking us to make a greater commitment to Cuba and to just like focus on Cuba. And at the moment that, kind of presented itself and we understood it as just traveling more frequently there. Uh, so I remember one year in particular, like Erica took like four trips and, you know, and I'd taken a handful. Um, at this point, you know, Erica was no longer on staff at a church, but she was working in a nonprofit 
world and I was working uh, for a fashion footwear company. And so as our schedules permitted, we just, you know, we, we uh, set aside time, our vacation time to go on mission trips. And it was Cuba. Cuba was a focal point. But then around kind of 2016, uh, we just, you know, I remember this one trip in particular, Erica had to go and I couldn't. And it was April. And I remember just kind of as I was praying, you know, just for God to be with her and for the other team members and what have you, uh, just really just felt strongly that uh, God was calling us to move there. And so I was super excited because, you know, one of the challenging things about being in Cuba is the lack of communication, just their infrastructure and different things. Um, so she was basically away for a week and we weren't in contact until she came home. And so when she came home and I'm asking her about her trip and she's super psyched and she's just telling me about all the great things that they got to be a part of, all the great things they got to see. And I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it because I'm just like trusting that she's going to come out with it. Like <laughs> God wants us to move to Cuba, right? And so this is kind of like what I'm waiting for because that's what I have felt in my heart. And so she's done telling her story and I'm like, that's it? You don't feel like God's coming up to Cuba? And, and I'm like, no, not at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of just like, you know, like, I guess like scripture says, like what Mary did when she, you know, received a word about, you know, Christ and, and you know, carrying Jesus and giving birth to him. And she tucked these things in her heart, scripture says. So that's kind of what I did. I was just like, all right, well, God, I know your voice and I know that's what you said, but I have long legs. I'm taller than my bride. I got there first. So I'm just going to wait on this one. <laughs> and so I I didn't say anything and he didn't say anything for like uh for a few months like he just dropped it and one of the things in our in our marriage that we really tried to if one person feels like the Lord is saying something we don't move forward until the Lord brings us both on the same page and sometimes it means we're just waiting for a while um and so that was one of those things and I and even after the fact like I just I was just so impressed that like he he felt this very strongly and he just, he didn't press the matter. He was just like, just literally tucked it in his heart. He didn't bring it back up. And and so like a few months later, when I told him, I was like, I think we're supposed to move to Cuba. I thought like he forgot about it because he didn't bring it back up. And so it was just something like, I think we are supposed to move to Cuba. Like, man, like, cause you know, like that wasn't like where I thought that we were going to be going. And so it was just like, all right, God, like, but I've just, I honor the fact that like, he let me get there in my own time. And he let the Lord take me to the place where the Lord was the one that spoke to me because if, you know, for such a great commitment, it has to be the Lord speaking to both. Um, and not just like one person just following the other. Mm. How did the Lord speak to you? For me, as far as, you know, it, it was definitely, like I said, during my time of prayer, like, you know, I, I remember specifically it was Easter week, it was April, 2016. But I, again, I believe like for my experiences, when God speaks to me, it's like, it's never random, you know, like, like Cuba had been on my heart, you know, for years, Cuba was something that I had been interacting with and a place I had been going to since my childhood. So it wasn't like God was calling me to go to, I don't know, Tajikistan, a place that I've never been to. And, and granted, God could do that. I'm not saying that, that he hasn't, cause I've heard stories like that and they're incredible. But for me, it definitely was just in my prayer time and, and like I said, it was Easter week, it was April, 2016 and, and Erica was there. And so as I was praying for her, like, you know, it wasn't just one prayer. I was praying throughout that week, um, during my just kind of time with the Lord. And I just knew, like, yeah. I just knew that God was like, you know, like just tugging in my heart the same way. And I feel like for us, it was a progression, right? Cause like 
prior to that, like we both were in agreement and we felt that he was asking us to make a greater commitment. We just weren't, you know, uh, weren't on the same page of what that commitment looked like or, or even fully <laughs> understood at that point yeah. until like God kind of gave, I, I feel like God kind of gives you instruction as you're, as you're ready and able to receive mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, so we started traveling more frequently and that was the case for like maybe two and a half, three years until we got to the point where I felt, all right, the, the greater commitment is pack up, you know, leave our apartment here in the city, leave our jobs, leave everything and go. Which was, a, which was a big deal because like Mark is like your your typical diehard New Yorker, like I'm going to live here the rest of my life, you know, like cremate me and throw my ashes in the East River. I'm never leaving here. And so for him to be like, God's calling me to move to Cuba. I'm like, this is crazy. Like you are like off your rocker. Uh, it's just something that I, I know like for me, I love the scripture. Um, I know we always quote for, I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord, but I love the version where it says, for, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And I feel like that's the way that the Lord speaks to me. Like I have these thoughts that really don't come from me. And I feel like it's the Lord dropping a thought in my mind and causes me to really pray on it. And really, and I'm very big on, okay, God, like, I don't want to be led by emotion. I don't want to be led by people. I need your, your, your word, like scripture, like chapter and verse, like I need you to speak to me through your word. And so that was what we did. Like we, once we really felt like this is what the Lord was calling us to do, it was during a 21 day fast and just really fasting and praying and disconnecting from just different distractions so that we can focus more on our time with the Lord. And I I was talking to an aunt of mine and she was like, uh, well, doesn't it say in Luke 24, I forget what verse it was, but um, and she was just telling us the story of the, of the, the passage. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. It was exactly like what I had prayed the Lord for a God. I want chapter and verse. Like I need, I want to hear from your word. Like your word never changes and your word speaks to us today. So like speak to me through your word. And and we did. And I know for me, like that was where really what sealed the deal. Yeah. I would also say it was, it was even up, leading up to that moment. Again, it was kind of a progression. Like, we had a chance to go in November and Erica went a week ahead of the team and she was trying to get somebody to go with her. She had an opportunity to record actually some music to do a live concert at a church over there. And um, it required her going earlier so that she could rehearse with the musicians so on and so forth. And, you know, for whatever reason, she just couldn't get anybody to go with her. I couldn't because of work. And, and I just remember having peace and I just, you know, felt like, you know, there's a reason why you're supposed to go by yourself. You know, my cousin will be there to receive you, whatever, like everything's going to be good. And when we came back, that was, you know, that moment where it goes like, all right, I think. But, you know, scripture talks about like um, testing the spirit and it's checking to see, you know, basically is if I paraphrase it. And so we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a high of an emotion. And so we as we began to pray about it, end of November, rolling into December, that year, we had planned on going to Miami to see my parents for Christmas. And so we were like, you know what? We're right there. We're close. Why don't we go to Cuba for New Year's? And just again, like just see, you know, if this is just the high from a mission trip or if this is really the Lord leading us. And when we came back uh, beginning of January, that was when that fasting period had started. And we really just laid it before the Lord and we're like, all right, God. And at the end of that 21 day fast, you know, Erica had that conversation that she just shared with her aunt. And so again, like for us, like it was a progression of God just, you know, depositing in us what we needed in that moment to confirm and to guide us and direct us. And uh, when we purposed in our heart that end of January, 
we just felt such a sense of urgency, such a sense of urgency. And even without all the plans kind of being laid out in faith, we uh, purchased our plane tickets, which is very unorthodox, which is not necessarily the way that you go about it, but we just did it as a step of faith. And so we bought our tickets for that May. So like five months later, and we just said, all right, God, we're boldly moving forward and we're just trusting your leading. So you did go then, right? Yes. We just felt this this urgency, like Mark was saying, and which is not our personality at all. We're very, we're very, we try to be very calculated very, before we move, like before we do something, we try to plan and research or what have you. But we just kept feeling like you have to go now. And so we spoke with a few different people, a few different pastors and the pastor who I was working for, he recommended going with the Assemblies of God. And so I was like, oh, I don't even know what that process looks like. You know, I, I grew up never thinking that I would be a missionary. Like I grew up never, never even knowing that that was an option for me. Like that was what other people do. I, I never remember anybody saying like, oh, this is something that you can do too. And so when my pastor was like, oh, you should go through the assemblies, I was like, well, what does that process look like? And so he connected us with the different people. And we knew uh, very well the, the superintendent of, of the New York district. And so they just really helped us get that process going. But it was also a process that it was very new in the sense when it comes to Cuba, because nobody had gone before since before 1959. And so we had no idea that we would be the first ones doing it. And everybody was like, it can't be done. It can't be done. And it can't be done. But we were like, but I know what the Lord said. And so Mark just began to pray, God, like, how are we going to, how are we going to make this happen? And I remember one night, Mark, I'm getting ready to go to work the next day. And Mark is laying in bed and we're just kind of getting, getting everything ready. And he's like, I'm going to get my Cuban citizenship. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And he was just like, you know, like, I just, like, yeah, Paul, like, I just had, I don't know. Cause again, like, as I was praying about it, like, cause it, it was just discouraging to be honest, because we just knew what God had said to us, but we just kept hitting closed door, closed door. And again, in faith, we went ahead and bought our tickets and we weren't having any traction on the contrary. We would just like kept him brick walls. And I remember just praying. And at that moment, as I'm laying in bed, I wasn't praying. Honestly, I was trying to fall asleep. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm laying there in bed and I just felt like, you know, again, just this thought deposited in me that I knew it was not for me. It was nothing I had ever thought of or considered or wanted or asked for. And it was get your citizenship. And immediately, like God brought to my heart, Paul, you know, he had his Roman citizenship and, and what he was able to do with that. And, and but also how he was a Jewish Jew. And so the first thing I did the next morning was I called the State Department to make sure that, you know, I was within my right to, to pursue it without relinquishing my American citizenship. And, you know, the lady kind of laughed at me, she chuckled. And she was like, it's not an insurance policy. It's not something that just lapses. She was like, you know, do what you got to do. You're fine. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Green light. I'm good to go. <laughs> and, you know, but even that, I, I knew that God had laid that on my heart. And, and but that wasn't even easy. You know, I, I remember going to the Cuban consulate in D.C. and getting laughed at and having to catch midnight megabus rides down there. Uh, and just like people just, it's not possible. It's not possible. And having to do my research and my homework to be able to show how it was and how I was legally within my right. But again, like little by little, as we approached that, that May departure date, things just fell into place. And so, yeah, we went and the thing that justified our staying there beyond the provision of, of typical visas was me pursuing my citizenship and, and kind of going through their naturalization process. And in the meantime, we were able to do work. We were able to partner with churches uh, across the island, over 60 churches, 
when I say island, a lot of times people don't appreciate how long Cuba is. Uh, from end to end, it's the distance of New York City down to Atlanta. So, I mean, when I say across the island, we were traveling quite a bit of a distance, just being able to go and visit different cities, visit different churches, and even not just the cities, but the countrysides, like places that we had to like trek up mountains. mountains, kilometers and cross rivers. And, and it was just an incredible, incredible experience. Yeah. It was great because in order to get your citizenship, you had to live there. And so we were within our legal rights there to be able to work. With a visa, you're not able to minister and do church work. Um, but because Mark was in the process of getting his citizenship, it gave us the right to, to stay there, um, but also to be able to minister and partner with different people and different projects and host different teams who wanted to come and just different things that we honestly, like when we were getting ready to go to Cuba, we knew that the Lord wanted us to go, but we didn't know what he wanted us to go for. And we really felt like I was like, I'll show you when you get there. Um, and I was like, God, like, that's great for Abraham. But like, you know, like, come on, people don't want to hear that when you're trying to like ask for support or if they're like, hey, what are you going to be doing? Like, so that we can back you or so that we can, you know, like, that doesn't give you any type of credibility, Lord. And it was just like, I give you credibility. Like, don't worry about it. And so literally when we got there, we we met with the superintendent and we told him what we felt. And he was like, that's exactly what I felt. And and he just gave us really free reign in the sense to do whatever the Lord, is, you feel like the Lord is calling you to do and connected us with different people. And, and, and even after, since we've been back, the Lord has really showed us in so many different ways why there was such an urgency for us to get there. Um, and Mark and I always, we always believe in like the timing of the Lord is just as important as the will of God. Um, and so a lot of times we want to do something for the Lord, but we want to do it in our timing. And so it's just, it's just been really affirming to, as we continue to learn to hear the voice of the Lord in him showing us like the why, because you don't always get a why you, you trusting. What are some of the things that you saw God do once you did get there? One of the things that, that we definitely got to see firsthand was just really how the beauty of the body of Christ is the opportunity to shift perspective. And uh, for a lot of people, we were the first foreigners that they had come in contact with. We were the first Americans. And so there was a lot of preconceived notions. There was a lot of uh, thoughts that they had towards us that uh, were assumptive and, and presumptuous and erroneous, essentially, but, but because of what they had been told about Americans. And so just kind of seeing how in being there, like to this day, we we traveled we you know we ministered in over 60 churches we got to do food distributions you know and we got to do use music as a platform to to be able to do uh concerts and and kind of do evangelical outreaches and whatever the case is and we did all these things we did capital campaigns to help change people's bathrooms you know from latrines to actually like running bathrooms with the actual physical toilet set and, you know, and sink, sink and, and what have you. And we got to do these things. And to this day, like the Cubans that we speak to who got to live life with us, the greatest thing that impacted them most was the fact that we lived there. Like literally the fact that we lived there because to them, like people come and go and people come with generous, you know, intentions and they come with, you know, foreign finances and, and they come and they, and they invest and they do these things, which but, is great, which is great. And they're appreciative, but nobody has been able to take a chance to try to walk in their shoes 
and the fact that we live there and the fact that we rode the buses and the fact that, you know, we know what it is to go to six different stores just to try to find toilet paper and eggs. And the fact that we live life amongst them with them, like them, like them mm-hmm. is to this day, like the thing that, that was most impactful for them. And so the way I see God in that is just really like, ultimately, like that's what he, what he did for us. Like he inserted himself in our situation and lived life with us. And I think one of the things that I saw even now, like as we still stay in contact with many of them, you know, like there's because of the the view that they have of, of us as Americans and because um, just of so many different reasons, they're they're they had never met a foreigner, let alone an American. And then, them viewing it as like, especially when we went to like these middle of nowhere, backwoods, mountains where you have to cross a river, go on a horse to get there. Like, you know, after you just rode four hours on a bus, like, you know, and the way that like God really came alive in their life because they felt like, wow, like God cares for me so much that he sent somebody all the way from New York City to this backwoods Cuba where I feel like nobody remembers me here. So just the beauty of seeing them come alive. But I think for me, what was, what was just as impactful is the fact that we were able to bring people alongside of us. Like we were very, we were very intentional on how can we help mobilize the church and how can we help you do what you're doing in like, what can you do in your community? Like we're not going to be here forever, you know? And so we want to create something that's sustainable so that you can be the answer to your community. And so um, to be able to do all these things and, and and visit all these 60 places, it's, it's very unheard of in Cuba. People don't leave, you know, their town, their city. They might go one town over to visit a family, um, but just travel is not a big thing. And so to be able to bring people along with us and say, hey, why don't you come along and, and help us on this project or help us work in this thing or just we 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 got invited to another city to do a, a a worship event why don't you come and or whatever the case may be to be able to bring people other cubans alongside of us so that they can see like what god can do what you can do you know you don't there's so much that we feel like we can't do on our own and it's i always say this exposure is education and so once you realize all that there is and all that you can do it motivates you to do more um, and I think for me, like that was for me the most impactful thing. Mm, yeah, that's really cool. So you guys had the opportunity to do that in Cuba. You did that for a year. You returned to New York City after that with the knowledge that it was a transition. Yeah. And that, that was really challenging because before we went, God was really clear in our speaking as part of the having that sense of urgency and knowing that we were supposed to go was also knowing that it was a one-year commitment, which is very peculiar, but we were just like, all right, God, like we're going to, we're going to follow you and we're going to trust you. And as we were coming to a close in our time there, there were just so many doors that were like literally flinging like off the hinges, like opening for us. And, but one of the things that we kind of encouraged constantly, the Cuban church there was like to pursue the will of God and not pursue opportunities. Because, you know, there, there's just there's always going to be opportunities, but sometimes just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing, so to speak. And so for us, there was a lot of opportunities. And as we were getting ready to leave, uh, just, you know, contemplating like, 
man, are we supposed to come back? Are we supposed to come back? Are we supposed to do, you know, are we supposed to stay? Whatever the case is, we're the only ones that can legally be there. You know, I have citizenship. Erica now has residency, whatever. And God was just clear. Like, remember, I said one year. Remember, I said one year. And and then even that, you know, God, I remember just, you know, we believe in the gifts of the spirit. We believe in what First Corinthians 12 speaks about and that that's something that is active and alive today. And so we had a, a sister in church who, who just, you know, she was just like, you know, I really feel strongly from the Lord. And this woman wasn't somebody that we conversed with regularly or knew a lot of details about our situation, but she just really felt strongly of the Lord to share with us a message. And it was just the affirmation of this season in your life is done. And the season that you're about to step into is a transition period. You know, don't get comfortable. And it was it, it was the clarity that we were praying to God, asking for him, like, okay, what does this next season look like? And God, again, answering our prayers, spoke to us to confirm through this woman what, what we are kind of already knew. And so we came back to New York and just kind of with that, like, all right, we're going to be here. Don't get comfortable. What does that look like? Is it six months or is it here we are almost, you know, two years later? And uh, it's kind of, we were just like, all right, well, we're going to go with what we know. And I remember the thing that really spoke to me is the end of John's gospel. After Christ had uh, resurrected from the grave, Peter in this one moment says, I'm going fishing. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he, he goes fishing. And this is the scenario before Jesus uh, kind of prepares breakfast for them on the beach. And that, you know, that the story that that's well known where Jesus is like, you know, Simon Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he asked him those three times, that whole scenario. So just before that, you know, Peter's like, I'm going fishing. And, and I understood it contextually to realize that Peter was going back to what he knew. And Peter essentially was going back to work until he got further instruction. Like he was just going to go back to work. So I remember reading that just as we were transitioning back to New York um, in summer of 2018. And so as September approached, my job, God in his graciousness, I don't know anybody who resigns their job and gets asked back and gets offered a raise. But that was essentially what happened. So I left my job to go to Cuba. And throughout the time that I was there, I stayed in touch with the person in charge of HR. She would text me pictures of my empty desk. And she was like, hey, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And so I, like, I didn't even have to look for work. When I came back from Cuba, like, they offered me back uh, another role and, uh, and they offered me a, a significant pay raise. And so I just went back to work. And, and so we just kept on praying, asking God what would be next, but uh, just kind of jumped back in where we left off, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, I was just conversing with a friend of mine and she's like, um, actually, well, she's like, do you need a job? And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, actually. And she was like, well, we have this new program that we're opening up and we need somebody to um, run this program and you would be perfect for it. And it was, I was like, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how long this transition is. Um, you know, the Lord said that it would be a time of transition. And she was like, don't worry about it. She's like, I just need you to go in, set it up and make sure that it's running. And so if you, if you're here six months, if you're here a year, whatever that looks like, I just need you to do the job. So the hiring, um, we're in Cuba on WhatsApp on a, like with the hiring manager so that she can do the official interview. Like literally we came back and a week later we were already working. So I was like, okay, well, uh, it was just like, I had that piece like, okay, let's, you know, God, you're clearly making provision for us to come back. Um, you've given us jobs. Uh, we found a place to live fairly quickly. And it's like, okay, God, like, I don't know all the answers, but I don't have to know all the answers to move forward. This is what walking in faith means. It's interesting to me. So I, I know you guys. 
you guys are focused on what God is doing for you because that's amazing to you. But I also know how you guys have been using this time that you have in transition to serve other people faithfully. So even though your focus is on God and like, wow, he is doing these amazing things for us from an outside perspective, you guys have been using that time for other people. So could you tell us just in a couple minutes what you've been doing with your time in New York besides working as you need to, to make money? (laughs) The the reality of it is, is we actually resigned from our jobs uh, back in end of October, November, as we were anticipating a January departure on our next assignment to Spain. January got pushed back because of some paperwork issues to March. And then March, all of everybody's lives got upended because of COVID. (laughs) And so, um, you know, we, we did our due diligence and we quarantined because at the time we had uh, traveled for some trainings and for some different things for our next uh, uh, task with, with Convoy of Hope working in Europe. And we both just felt burdened. Like, you know, there, there's so much need here and now, right now in the city that we call home, in the city that we love. How can we serve? How can we be involved? So we had that conversations with our pastors, with, with Pastor Brad and Pastor Stella. And then just sharing that heart with them. In short, you know, they were like, look, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves, there's place for you at the table. Like, you know, let, let's let's get you plugged in. And so we have been able to just insert ourselves in our home church in a way that we haven't been able to in the eight years that we've been members of that church and just really dive in as just full-time volunteers and really just kind of help on the nonprofit side of things um, for, you know, just what we were doing as, as a church to respond to COVID and relief work. So uh, since the beginning of April to now, just kind of helping develop some systems and put those things in place to provide sustainability to our work. So Erica has put together things in place for volunteer engagement, getting people from the community who just have a similar conviction of serving their neighbor to just facilitating pathways for them to be able to get involved in what we're doing. And my role has been engaging other partners, other organizations and churches to help just extend their reach and their local communities with the work that we've been doing. And it has just been an incredible uh, ride these last five months. These last five months feel like 10 months because the long days that we've worked and, and the extensive outreach that we've been able to be a part of, but it's been incredible. Yeah. It's just been an awesome opportunity to, even like, as we talk about what we will be doing in Spain and all throughout Europe, our boss is like, I couldn't have planned a better training for you because part of what we will be doing is disaster uh, response, working with partners. uh, How can we assist refugees? How can we assist gypsies? How can we assist people being rescued from sex trafficking? Um, And so while the circumstances look differently, the actual work that we're doing is very similar. Um, And so we actually didn't even plan it. Uh, I called Stella uh, Stella and I was like, Hey, Stella, like we want to work, you know, we're, we're healthy. We don't have no kids. Like, we have our, t- our free time. Like, what do you guys need? You need us. And I thought she was just going to be like, yeah, just come and work in the warehouse, you know, like whatever. And she called me back a few days and was like, Hey, like, um, cause I had let her know, like, we don't have a place to stay. Is there anybody from our church that's not in the city right now that we could stay at their apartment? And so she was just like, Hey, like we have a building and you guys can stay at our building if you want to take on uh, volunteer engagement and partnerships. And it was just really a great opportunity to just build a program and a system that works to help facilitate volunteers, um, partnerships so that we can enable people in their communities to serve their communities and just resourcing them, but also, um, building volunteer engagement and, and honestly, what, what evolved was really cool because we had no idea 
what it would look like. We were just kind of building. And what evolved was this group of people that we were spending three hours a week with every week. And people were coming back and coming back. We have had over, at this point, over 300 volunteers in the last five months. And about half of those come back multiple times, whether it's to a site or whether it's to our physical location to help in the warehouse. And so just an opportunity for evangelism through volunteerism. And so many people that we've had conversations with of all different walks of life that we probably wouldn't have um, in another circumstance. And so it's just been really, really an awesome opportunity to, even in the middle of all of that's going on, um, that we would be able to spend time with people who don't know Christ um, so that we can um, just show Christ to them, you know, represent and recontextualize Christ to people who either don't know or have a mis- uh, have a misconception of who Christ is. And so it's just been a great opportunity. We have this one guy, he's like, I just want to come here every day. Like, I feel like something's changing inside of me and I don't know what it is. And, you know, I just want my life to reflect what's going on. And, you know, like, I know that to be Christ. You know, like our warehouse has been our, our sanctuary, so to speak. You know, if I'm spending three hours with you on an assembly line packing boxes, we're going to talk about everything, you know? And so and the fact that you want to come back, that you have such a great experience and you feel comfortable here, you feel welcomed, you feel just, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. And so I think for me, like that has been the most impactful thing that none of us really anticipated um, in this season. Yeah. How cool that during a time when most people are feeling are experiencing more isolation, you guys have actually seen unexpected opportunities for relationship development and, and not just for relationships, but for intentional relationships that are introducing people to, to Jesus. Absolutely. That's really cool. And on top of that, just to clarify for our listeners, what you guys are doing in that warehouse largely is packing boxes of food, right. And distributing them. Yeah. So we have up, Today, we have distributed over 1.6 million pounds of food through all five boroughs. And so we have different days where volunteers come into our warehouse to pack these boxes. And so each box has about um, eight meals in it. And so we just, we're going through literally all five boroughs and we have different distribution sites. Um, We also deliver to people who are elderly who can't leave their home or have an autoimmune disease. And so just really, how can we facilitate this, um, this need in our city? Yeah. And just to reiterate for people who may not be experiencing a similar need, this is largely due to COVID. There's always a need for food in New York City, but due to COVID, there's less access. People have not been able to get out and get food as easily, but also there is greater financial strain. Yeah. And two thirds of the food banks have closed down where people normally get food from. Wow. It's really cool to hear how God has so carefully orchestrated your lives to put you here at this moment to help other people in a very real and practical way, as well as to share the gospel, but also to train you guys for what he has next. So we're running out of time, but if you could just give me just a quick description of Convoy of Hope and what's coming up for you guys in Spain. So Convoy of Hope is essentially, it's a humanitarian aid organization. It's a Christian organization. And they started uh, just over 25 years ago, kind of with a passion to feed people, interestingly enough. Uh, They have since expanded. And so it's not just feeding programs, but it's also women's empowerment programs, uh, disaster services. So even right now with Hurricane Laura, and even a few weeks ago with the explosion that took place in Lebanon, like they, uh, 
deploy teams to just respond and be there. Uh, so disaster services is an aspect. And then ultimately, they believe that the main way to be able to serve the community is through the church, so church engagement. So those are some of the facets of, of kind of how they function as an organization. And then one of the newer ones that they're looking to implement is actually clean water as well. And, and so they have some agriculture initiatives and, and clean water initiatives and things like that. And so without going too deep into the weeds of the story, but essentially while we were in Cuba, we got connected with the chief of staff. One could argue serendipitously, but I believe it was a divine appointment. I believe God connected us. And essentially they just kind of in hearing our heart and hearing our story, there was an invitation extended to us uh, to be able to just kind of do what we were doing in Cuba, but as part of a team and working in Spain, but throughout Europe. And so Erica has been asked to come on joining the disaster services team, and she could share a little bit about that. But my role essentially will be uh, the country coordinator for Spain and essentially just functioning in a capacity of a liaison as church engagement, uh, getting different churches involved in the different initiatives that exist so that we can help mobilize the local church to serve the people in their communities. Yep. And I'll be working with um, in the disaster services team because it looks a little different in Europe than, let's say, uh, the Philippines or other places that we're in. But I'll be working with many groups, but three of the major groups are uh, women rescued from trafficking, um, the Roma people and refugees who come in. And so while we have things in place to help triage them, um, we, we also want to work towards sustainability and how can we help um, you move from um, just getting your basic immediate needs met to what do you need to thrive and, and succeed um, wherever you want to be, whatever country that's in, because we will be living in Spain, um, but working all throughout Europe. And so um, about 40, 50% of our time will be in Spain and the rest is in other countries where we have Roma people, where refugees are coming in and where we really find partners who want to work with us. And you guys are anticipating a departure very soon. Is that right? Uh, we are, as we, Maybe. Speak, as we speak, we are, we are waiting uh, to hear back from the consulate, the Spanish consulate here in New York city. And essentially once we have our visas in hand, we're looking for a 72 hour turnaround is what we're praying for. So wow. all that to say our departure is imminent. Uh, and so we're really praying that, that within the next couple of days, we will be able to have clarity on that and be able to take the, that step onto the plane and that, that next step into the next chapter of our life. Wow. How exciting. Thank you guys for taking the time to talk to me today and for sharing what God has been doing in you and how you've been serving other people too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. well listen, thank you for the encouragement and thank you for giving us room uh, to be able to share these stories. So I, re I really appreciate that. We're, we're humbled and honored that you would ask us to be a part of this. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history, the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on submit a story. God is doing things all over in all of his people. And we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at God Seeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. 
You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced in the studios at Lancaster Bible College. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Our engineer is George Haynes. And our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. Seeing God.